Hi, this is Dr. Willie Jolly, and I want to welcome you to the new and improved Willie Jolly Wealthy Ways podcast. After many years of interviewing the best and brightest thought leaders around the world on my SiriusXM show, I am excited to now have those interviews available to people around the globe on this podcast. So many people would write us and say, I love what I've been hearing about your interviews with these great people. Where can I access them? I live in this country or that country, or I don't have access to that technology. How can I get the information? Well, I'm so excited now that we are able to offer the information and the interviews free on this podcast. So we want you to sit back and enjoy this message and let me know how you like them. And then do me a favor. If you like them, send a review, write a review and post it. And if you like it, hit like on here and share it and tell everybody you know about it and then subscribe to this podcast so you'll get the alerts when we post a new interview episode. Thank you for listening and enjoy the Willie Jolly Wealthy Ways podcast. Named one of the outstanding five speakers in the world. Inducted into the Speaker Hall of Fame. Award-winning singer. Best-selling author. And now, here's Willie Jolly. Well, yes, I have only just a minute. Only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me. Can't refuse it. Didn't seek it. Didn't choose it. But it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute. But our eternities are wrapped up in it. Welcome to the Willie Jolly Wealthy Way Show. And I want to thank you for tuning in. And I want to thank you for sharing this with everybody you know. We have been getting such great responses from people around the world, not because of me, but because of you sharing this message with your connections, your network, your friends, your family members, your co-workers. Please continue to do that. Share it, like it, and put it out to all your network. Well, you know, I start with that one minute, God's minute from Dr. Benjamin Mays, and then I take a moment to give God some glory, to give him some praise, because I'm grateful. And so I am grateful, and I take time to give God glory. Now, I want to invite you all to my Happily Married Mondays with the Jollies. Every Monday night, 9 o'clock, my wife and I, we wrote a book called Make Love, Make Money, Make It Last, and it's a very popular marriage book. You can get a free chapter at jollymarriage.com, jollymarriage.com. We have a a marriage seminar coming up real soon. So make sure you go to jollymarriage.com for more information. Now you can hear me every day, Monday through Friday on Radio One Network every day across America. But if you're not in an area where Radio One is airing, you can also go to winwithwilly.com, winwithwilly.com and sign up for my newsletter to get a daily free minute of motivation. We'll send it to you every day to inspire you. Finally, Saturday mornings, 10 a.m., Eastern Time. Join me for the Jolly Good News Report. In times of bad news, sad news, depressing news, you need some good news. And every week I give you 30 minutes of powerful messaging to help you win more with some good news. You can reach me on that Saturday morning program on the Jolly Good News Facebook page. Jolly Good News Facebook page. Well, today we have a world class show for you, a bond burner. My guests are two world-class entrepreneurs, 
two world-class philanthropists. The first one, you all know his name. And the second one, you might know his name, but you definitely know his results. Look, first is Steve Case. That's right, chairman and CEO of Revolution and co-founder of America Online, AOL. He is one of America's best-known and most accomplished entrepreneurs and philanthropists and a pioneer in making the Internet part of everyday life. He co-founded AOL in 1985, and under his leadership and vision, AOL became the largest and most valuable Internet company company, driving the worldwide adoption of a medium that has transformed us all in business, society, and life. He's now the chairman and CEO of Revolution LLC, a Washington, D.C.-based investment firm that now backs entrepreneurs at every stage of their development. They have invested nearly $1 billion, b- 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 billion in growing uh, growth stage companies, including Sweetgreen, Tempus, Tala, DraftKings, and Clear. And they have just been growing and going and going around the country to looking for and trying to find the new upstart entrepreneurs to help them grow. David Hall is our other guest. He's the managing partner of Revolution's Rise of the Rest Seed Fund. He's responsible for investment, sourcing, execution, and oversight of the fund's portfolio companies. He was an executive with the Washington Post as director of planning and development, and then he went on to become an entrepreneur extraordinaire. So to have the two of them on this show today is really a coup for me, and I just wanted to invite you all to pull out a pen, a pad, a piece of paper, an iPhone, an iPad. Take notes. We're ready to grow your wealth and your winning. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Willie. Thanks a lot, Willie. Great to be here. It's a joy to have you both. Well, I guess, you know, I got this book in my hand right now. Uh, My son bought it for my wife, The Third Wave, and he gave it to her for her birthday. And I've just been going through it and just scouring all the great ideas. But most of all, what I am most impressed with, uh, Steve, I'll start with you, is that we know you for AOL, for creating this world-renowned company. But... There's a big butt. <laughs> you didn't start at the top. <laughs> from from what I've read and what I've heard, you had a few setbacks along the way. Uh, talk about a uh, little bit about the journey uh, from being uh, Case Enterprises in Hawaii with your brother to being able to uh, make it to AOL and all the setbacks, all the failures, all the disappointments, and how you stayed the course to be able to become a world-renowned entrepreneur. Yeah, as you say, like a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, it's sort of uh, you stumble a little bit before you finally kind of find your way, and that was the case with me. I did a number of you know businesses that didn't work out, uh, and then I got interested when I was still in college. You know, graduated in 1980, so what 40 years ago, uh, and the idea of the internet wanted to do that, uh, but back then it didn't really exist as a consumer phenomenon. It was really more of a of a technology platform. And frankly, back then, you know, venture capitalists weren't really backing, you know, you know, kids coming out of school. They were they were looking for you know more seasoned executives with more of a of a track record. So I bounced around a little bit. Worked for some big companies, Procter and Gamble and and, uh, and PepsiCo, uh, the pizza division for a while, and then actually moved to Washington D.C. in 1983 to join a startup. I thought I finally found my way into this world, uh, and within a few months, it kind of hit the wall. It was it was in in free fall, and so. Uh, I then had to, you know, once again kind of take a step back before I could take a step forward. And luckily, two of the people I met there ended up starting with me, America Online, in, in 1985. So it was a you know, somewhat circuitous you know, journey, even 
as AOL was scaling it over the next decade, or you know, it was often two steps forward, one step back. And one of the lessons I learned, which I talked about in that in that book, was how you know persistence, perseverance, passion really matters because when you're building a business, there are a lot of challenges, there are a lot of setbacks. Sometimes it's breaking against you, and, and you're worried about whether you're going to make it. And you just got to believe and you got to keep fighting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you uh, both have been longtime investors. And, and David, give us a little background about how you came to this journey as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Dr. Willie. I, you know, I came to Washington, D.C. after business school to work at the Washington Post Company. And it was a fantastic organization, then run by the Graham family. And one of the, the best things about the Post is you can sit at your, your desk all day and read the newspaper and not get fired because that's just what a company's product. <laughs> right. And what, one day while reading the newspaper, and Steve, I don't know if you know this story, I read the article, one of the first articles about Steve Case's post-AOL next act. And I remember reading that article, and I read it again, and I cut it out because I was like, what he's doing sparked something in me, and I was like, how do I get to there? And it started a long case of a little bit of stalking, a little bit of, you know, Googling, or I guess at the time was probably ask Jeezing or, or something like that to try to find my way to revolution and through a mixture of a little bit of serendipity and, and a little bit of stalking and a lot of good fortune. I, I got the interview into revolution and it, you know, it's been such an eye opening change for me because, you know, I, I never saw myself as, as, as being on the career path of being an investor, a venture capitalist. But partnering up with Steve and now having invested in over a hundred, more than over, you know, more than a hundred companies, it's just been a fantastic journey of consistent challenge and and in leveling up sort of both my resume and my acumen for for issue spotting and deal deal sourcing, and and now being sort of one of the the handful of African Americans. Um, in a capacity to invest money into the next generation of startup entrepreneurs. So it's been a fantastic journey that I'm incredibly grateful for uh, and just, you know, grateful to Steve, grateful for the opportunity and, and really looking forward to the future. I mentioned uh, offline that I some years ago had been invited by the Washington Post. I don't even know how they thought of me, uh, I guess because of they said I was quietly building a media Empire. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, they they had me on a board of entrepreneurs with Christina Boreri from Reston Limo and uh, uh, Ralph Fernandez from Monumental Sports with Ted Leonsis. And as I read the book, I thought about the fact that uh, you and Ted uh, were major players in creating AOL and and kind of navigating the ups and downs of being able to survive and thrive in a challenging time. Uh, tell me uh, one one thing, Steve, as y'all went through the ups and downs, the challenges, what was the vision that kept you going when things got tough? Well, the vision was really the, the internet was going to change the world and we wanted to create a, an on-ramp and make it as easy and affordable as possible for everybody to get online. That really was the, the founding idea. When we started in 1985, which was 35 years ago this summer, only 3% of people were online. And those 3% were online an average of one hour a week. So it really was a kind of a niche hobbyist phenomenon. It was not very mainstream. And we wanted to get America online. We wanted to get the world online. So that really was what drove it. The reason it was so hard and took so long, really took us a decade before we finally you know, broke through, is most people back then didn't see any reason to get on the Internet. Most people back then didn't own personal computers to connect. Most people who did own personal computers didn't have the communications technology called a modem to connect. Right. And if you actually had all that stuff and you got online, 
it was $10 an hour typically to be connected, which is sort of intimidating. And since it was still early days, you know, there was really not much to do and nobody to talk to. So <laughs> it just took a while to finally kind of build the, the, the foundation and finally kind of you know, break through. But Ted and I have been great partners now for nearly three decades. AOL went public in 1992. It was the first Internet company to go public. And a year later, we acquired Ted's company, and he joined us and, and obviously played a pivotal role in, in building AOL. And we're, we're now partnering still at, uh, at Revolution. Wow, wow. Uh, I remember AOL. I think I was one of the early uh, adapters, and I remember, you know, <laughs> getting yeah, online. Yeah. Some people thought that was a screechy modem sound. For me, that was cha-ching, cha-ching. I know, that's right. Well, now y'all have both moved uh, to Revolution, and I want to I want to focus on that because what you have done is now made a commitment to help entrepreneurs, a lot of them African American entrepreneurs, to uh, to grow entrepreneurial ventures, to create uh, wealth in our communities, and you also have been going on a, a, a around the country on a, I think you were on a bus tour. I think I saw on television one day right. where you went to different cities. And one of the things I love in the book is how you talk about the fact that uh, early on that. We only thought of entrepreneurism or investment or startups in California, New York, or a few other cities. And you said, with the rise of the rest, I love that part of it. As long as you got internet access, you can you can be in Des Moines, you can be in uh, Albemarle County, Virginia, you can be anywhere if you got a good idea and you're willing to do the work. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's really uh, the, the belief that uh, innovation will disperse and opportunity will disperse and job creation will disperse over the next 10 or 20 years. But we have to change some of the, the paradigm because, you know, the data right now is pretty sobering. If you look at place, uh, last year, 75% of venture capital went to just three states. California, New York, and Massachusetts. So, Steve, let's make sure I got all the pearls you've been dropping in this last part of this segment. One, you started with nothing. You had an idea. You had some of your ventures that did not succeed, but you were passionate and you were persistent and you kept going. You turned those setbacks into comebacks. Everybody know I wrote a book called a setback and set up for a comeback. And I hope you all got a copy of that book, but it is exactly the principles I teach in that book that you got to be persistent. You have to have a vision. You have to have decisions made, and then you got to take action and you have to have great desire. You can turn your setbacks into comebacks. Look, we got to take a quick break. This is Dr. Willie Jolly on the Willie Jolly Wealthy Way show. And for sure, your best is yet to come. We'll be right back. This is Dr. Willie Jolly, and I have a question for you. Have you ever wondered why some people can make a million dollars, lose it, make a second million, lose that, then make a third million, while other people can't even make ends meet? Well, the reason is that those people 
know the recipe for success. And that recipe is available to everyone if you will do what they did. They made a habit of getting positive, motivational resources of great thinkers and great learners. And I want to offer those same kind of resources to you. We've developed a free page on my website. It's wjspeaks.com slash gift. wjspeaks.com slash gift. On that site, we've got resources, books, audios to help you to grow and they're free. So go to wjspeaks.com slash gift, wjspeaks.com slash gift and get some of those resources and then share that page with your friends and your family members. We want to impact and inspire millions of people. And remember, if you enjoy this message on this podcast, like it, share it and Post a review about it and make a difference in the lives of others by letting them know about it. Have a great day. This is Dr. Willie Jolly. And we're back with Dr. Willie Jolly on the Willie Jolly Wealthy Ways Show and podcast with my special guest. We've got two world-class, world-renowned entrepreneurs, extraordinary. We've got the one and only uh, founder of AOL, Steve Case, and we've got also David Hall, who is the managing partner of Revolution Rise of the Rest Seed Fund. And we were talking about how the world has changed, uh, Steve, uh, where you used to have to be in a certain city to be able to be in a startup or growth entrepreneurial activity, or many people thought D.C. is a, a government town or this place is a certain kind of town. And then you helped us realize that that's not the case anymore, is it? You were sharing that, please. Yeah, no, even with AOL, we started in the Washington, D.C. area 35 years ago. There was no venture capital in D.C., so we had to go to other places, including you know, San Francisco and New York, to raise the, you know, the capital to, to get started and then to, to scale. And we just want to change the paradigm, kind of level the playing field, so everybody everywhere has an idea, really has a shot at building a company, a shot at, the, frankly, the American dream. And it's not just limited to certain people in certain places. And if you just look at the, the data, it, it's pretty sobering. But last year, 75% of venture capital went to just three states, California, New York, Massachusetts. The other 47 states, you know, fight over 25%. And if you look at not just place, but people, last year, even though women are half our country, less than 10% of venture capital went to female founders. And black Americans are about 14% of the country, less than 1% of venture capital went to, to black founders. So, it does matter where you live. It does matter what you look like. It does matter who you know. It does matter what school you went to. If you have an idea whether you really can turn it into a, a real company, and that's just wrong. And so we're trying to change that. And that David's leadership of the of the Rise of the Rest Seed Fund is is our, our tool to do that. Well, David, why don't you tell me what the Rise of the Rest Seed Fund is and the whole concept of the revolution process? Or please give us some insight. Yeah, sure. So at Rise of the Rest, as Steve said, our our goal is to really accelerate early-stage capital, that first sort of couple of checks, 
that can convince somebody who's working now for a big corporation to leave that job and go start a startup. We, we recognize that that's the most important sort of step and most important capital that's typically pushed in, you know, in, into these early stage companies that allow those, those, those founders to actually spend 100% of their work time dedicated to this project. And we know that there, there are tons of entrepreneurs with great ideas that are now trapped in corporations or working in a job that they don't really feel motivated by. And we, we know that the, the world has sufficiently enabled them through high-speed internet, through sort of the, the, the dispersion of really smart talent across the country who've gone to great universities and don't necessarily have to leave home any longer to start and, and sort of fuel their dreams. We want to put that capital in those companies. And, and the rise of the rest mission is to invest early stage outside of Boston, outside of New York City, outside of San Francisco, the three most sort of evolved uh markets for venture capital in the country and look in places like Nashville, like New Orleans, like Detroit, like Miami, like Phoenix, where there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are, you know, a, a little systematically outside, locked out of the system because of their zip code. And so Rise of the Rest is we're a geographic focused fund. We're industry agnostic. We really invest only at the early stage. And, you know, we're, we're looking for fantastic entrepreneurs that are tackling really tough problems, problems where technology and the application of technology can really disrupt big markets, healthcare, education, logistics, financial services, uh, agriculture, and food. These are the problems that are changing our society. It might, we we're unlikely to invest in the next dating app, but we think that there's some really big problems that, that smart technology-driven entrepreneurs can really help us sort of usher and change. We think that not only is that going to be a transformative event for the country and for a lot of these industries that, frankly, haven't innovated much since, since they've been founded, we think that there's some really good business opportunities underneath that. We think that it's a great opportunity for us to make money while doing really good, having a really positive impact. I love that. I love that. Now, y'all have worked together in investors, and you've worked together to create this new uh, push. What are some of the lessons you've learned along the way in this process? But it is harder in these cities for, for entrepreneurs to get noticed and to you know kind of get the, cred the credibility to, to raise capital, and that's why we aren't just sitting in Washington, D.C. trying to figure this out. We hit the road, and so far we've visited uh, you know, dozens of cities. We've invested 150 companies in 70-plus cities. Uh, so we're really kind of getting out there and hitting the road and trying to then work with the, the, the entrepreneurs we do back to create a network around them so they have access to mentoring. They, we can help open doors in terms of strategic partnerships or initial customers. We can help them you know, recruit uh, talent. So Obviously, the capital is, is a key part of that, but we also are doing some other things to support these entrepreneurs. And we're also trying to encourage, champion uh, each of the cities we visit to focus more on startups, not just on the existing companies, but on, on new companies. And that's important because if you look at the, the data, most of the job creation in this country comes from young companies, new companies, startup companies, not from big companies like Fortune 500, not from small businesses, but from fast-growing young companies. And so if we're only backing uh, those sorts of entrepreneurs in a few places like Silicon Valley, we shouldn't be surprised that a lot of people in a lot of parts of the country are kind of feeling kind of left out, feeling uh, left behind. So we encourage the cities themselves to focus on startups, to be a magnet for talent, be a magnet for capital, and create a culture around risk-taking and, and, and possibility. Uh, so those are some of the, the takeaways. Right. And the only thing I'd add there is I yeah. just think that demographics also plays a little bit into it, right? We, you know, if we're, if we're going to look for founders that, that sort of are, are outside of the typical Silicon Valley mold, 
we can find them usually in places like Atlanta and Chicago and Charlotte because they, that's just where, where the demographics of the country have, have those people graduating from schools like, like my, my alma mater Morehouse or Georgia Tech or, you know, the University of Michigan or Florida A&M down in Tallahassee. That's where those, those entrepreneurs live. And the notion that they're all going to be able to pack up and move up to New York City, move out to, to the West Coast, it's just really challenging on a lot of those families. And so we, we, we really do celebrate that, that local flair of entrepreneurship because we know that, you know, it's easier to make money and create these companies in your own backyard where you know the players, where you know the movers and shakers, and you have a little bit easier access than to try to replicate those networks in the big city. Absolutely. And, you know, what this brings to mind, some years ago, I was the keynote speaker for the uh, Black Enterprise Entrepreneurs Conference. And one of the things I wanted to do right at the beginning of that uh, concept or con uh, that message was to define what an entrepreneur was. So we were clarity. And I, I give this my, my definition. Now, I, I want to bounce off of the two of you if you see anything different. My, my definition, first of all, I came from a second generation entrepreneur. My dad was an entrepreneur and he always encouraged my brother and I to uh, go to school, get a great education, not so you could get a good job but so you could create some good jobs. That was always his last statement. Go to school, get a great education so you can create some good jobs. And so I told people, an entrepreneur is someone who designs and determines their destiny. They make the decision to design and determine their destiny. And there's so many people who have an idea, but sometimes are afraid, sometimes get lost. So as y'all go around, what are some of the things you're trying to encourage people to do to create entrepreneurial pathways? What are you pushing them to do? How are you pushing them to think? What are some of the things that you are doing? Well, it builds on what you just said. Your definition is, is, is a great one. That, you know, entrepreneurs really take a, uh, see something in their lives that could be better and say, I'm not going to just complain about it. Uh, I'm going to go do something about it. Either there's a problem they want to solve or an opportunity they want to seize. Uh, and they do that despite the, you know, the odds, despite all the different, uh, you know, challenges. They kind of, you know, one way to think about entrepreneurs is they really do more than anyone thinks is possible with less than anybody thinks is, is, is realistic in terms right. of they, they, you know, say, I'm going to climb that mountain. I'm going to, I'm going to make that happen. And they're like, well, how are you going to do that? You're just, you're, you're <laughs> a few other people and right. you're, you're not going to do that. And that's what, you know, always the, the, the criticism of, of uh, startups. When we got started, even with America Online 35 years ago, most people were pretty skeptical that A, the idea didn't seem all that interesting. You know, the internet maybe would never be more mainstream. And B, if it was, how the hell do you think you're going to be, you know, breakthrough when there's big companies like AT&T and Microsoft and, and others out there. And so that's why entrepreneurs just really have to have that, that, that passion and, and that, 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 that sense of purpose. And, and you know, they're, they're going to you know, hit some you know, challenges and you know, hit, hit a wall from time to time. But if they see that wall, they're either going to climb over it or, or climb around it or knock it down, but they're never going to stop. They're never going to give up. That perseverance, that keep going, that stick to itness, and the encouragement. And many of the entrepreneurs I know are people who are always learning, always becoming lifelong learners, and are filling themselves up with the pure, the powerful, and the positive because they know that there is a crisis up the road, so they got to start preparing for it. Well, uh, you, you, you guys have just been on fire for helping companies, and I get emails from uh, uh, 
people like uh, Rodney Sampson and others who say, Willie, I get a text from Rodney just about every other day saying, hey, we are really working hard on building some entrepreneurial activities and so forth. And so, you know that, uh, Steve, you talked about the third wave in your book, uh, in the book, The Third Wave. But you also talked about the impact that uh, futurist Alvin Toffler had on your thinking. And I love a couple of the pieces in there and the fact that you got to hit the wave. I love that story in Hawaii where you went to the guy who was body surfing and he was doing it better than you and you said hey what I got to do and he said you got to hit the wave get in it or you got to understand there is a wave talk about that yeah no, I did uh, Alvin Topper the you know futurist who wrote a number of books uh, Future Shock the one that really meant a lot to me was the third wave that came out in 1980 which when I was just a senior in college about to graduate and what he talked about was his three waves were the first wave was sort of the agricultural revolution and then that was followed by the industrial revolution we kind of retrained people from move from farms to factories and he was predicting now again four decades ago the third wave would be the technology revolution the digital revolution essentially the the internet i was just captivated by that and, and that's what i knew i wanted to you know do when i decided to kind of write a book reflecting on some of the lessons i learned i Picked the same name, the third wave, partly out of respect for him, and and, and, and thankfully he was still alive at the time and and was able to review it. Uh, but also because I recognize the internet itself had had three waves. The first wave was getting everybody online. We talked about some of that in terms of you know in the eighties, essentially nobody was online. Nobody thought they had a reason to be online. Hold that thought for one second, Steve. Hold that thought. We're going to come back to these other waves because, folks, I want you all to hear the rest of this. This is Dr. Willie Jolly on the Willie Jolly Wealthy Ways show. And for sure, we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. Willie Jolly, and I got an email from a gentleman in Australia who shared how he had been struggling in his business, and he bought some of my books and audios, and how it had a profound impact on his business, and he went from worst to first in his company. I shared with him how much I appreciated his Note, but I told him those books, those audios, those videos were not just something that I just thought up one day and started to write. They were born out of my experiences, out of the challenges of overcoming the problems and the difficulties and how I was able to do it. And I shared with him that others have sent similar messages and that these resources work. I want to encourage you and invite you to go to my store. Go to wjspeaks.com slash shop. wjspeaks.com slash shop. Get some of the books. It only takes a minute to change your life. Or a setback is a setup for a comeback. Or turn setbacks into greenbacks. Or chicken soup for the soul. Or an attitude of excellence. Or the book I wrote with my wife after 34 years of being married and not having an argument in over 30 years, we wrote a book called Make Love, Make Money, Make It Last, and now it is saving marriages all over the globe. Go to the store, get some of the audios, the videos, the books, the resources to help you have greater personal and professional success. This is Dr. Willa Jolly. Make this a great day on purpose. And we're back. This is Dr. Willie Jolly and the Willie Jolly Wealthy Way Show and Podcast. Steve Case, you were talking about the third wave and the three waves of the Internet. First, just to get people aware and online. Go from there, please. 
Yeah, the first wave was getting everybody online, uh, going from a world where nobody was connected to a world where everybody was connected. That was sort of the 1980s, 1990s. That then led to the second wave of the Internet, which was building apps and services on top of the Internet, things like Google and Facebook. And the third way, which is just now, you know, picking up steam, is when the Internet kind of meets everyday life and we start changing fundamental aspects of our lives, including healthcare and, and education, you know, food and agriculture, some you know, pretty fundamental parts of our, our lives. And I, I realized, which is why I wrote the book, that some of the lessons from that first wave uh, were going to be applicable in the, in the coming third wave. You know, one of them was the importance of partnerships. It wasn't just about what you did. It's how you connected to others, how you networked with others uh, and built sort of a, 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 you know, bridges around your idea. Another was policy. A lot of the regulatory issues are, you know, were very important in the early days of the Internet when it was just getting commercialized. Uh, it's going to be important again when you're dealing with things like, like health care. It's, it's a very sensitive, you know, people's lives are hanging in the balance. Of course, there are going to be some kind of regulatory aspects. And the final, what I call the, of the three Ps, uh, is perseverance. It's, you know, the, the systems level change that's possible in the third wave uh, is going to be hard and going to take time. It's not going to be an overnight success. It's going to be a you know 10-year slog before you finally break through. Uh, and so those were some of the, the lessons I applied. That's sort of the, also the, the prism through which we look at things that, that revolution, really trying to back entrepreneurs in the third wave and back them particularly in these rising cities as part of our Rise of the Rest strategy. Wow. Uh, you both have been uh, very, very, very active on helping uh, entrepreneurs all over the country. And of course, we're now doing it virtually. Uh, what advice do you both, and I want both of you to answer this, give uh, people to build their businesses, and especially in challenging times? David, why don't you start? Yeah, sure. I, you know, I, the, the biggest piece of advice that I give to entrepreneurs is to stay nimble while being able to go deep fast. You know, the, the winners that we've noticed, particularly over the last couple of months, have been those businesses that could keep their eye really focused on listening to their customers, delivering for their customers, listening to their employees and what their employees and their teams needed, but could go, could find those opportunities and move and sort of re, readjust their entire supply chain or their entire customer delivery system to get in front of their customers faster and better. And it just has been, it's been the difference between sort of feast and famine for a lot of these companies because the, the, the nimbleness of a small company, of a, of a startup to be able to outperform and outmaneuver some of the hard, you know, the big incumbents that are moving like aircraft carriers. It just it, it's it's unbelievable, and so to be able to look at particularly startups and early stage companies, to be able to say stay nimble, stay stay on your toes as you're looking and in, in reading the market conditions, to be able to then move around and 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 sort of outflank your competition, outflank those big sleepy incumbents that are hard to move. The second piece I'd add is just the ability for these companies to 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 really. Um, Stay focused on the truth of their mission. You know, the companies that are that are unfocused and are doing a little bit of everything are the ones that have a hard time staying the course. And those that that, that are sort of mission oriented, saying, you know what, we're trying to deliver, you know, this this we're trying to deliver this product to this consumer. That focus, that really really tight focus, helps them stay grounded and stay 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 on mission during sort of these challenging times. Absolutely. Uh, I just Steve? add a couple yeah. other things, which is really recognizing that entrepreneurship is a team sport. It's not just about you. It's about the team you build. And what I found with even my own work with AOL, but also the companies we back, if you've got the right 
team in place, really anything is possible. You don't have the right team in place, nothing is, is possible. So just focusing a lot on that team, I think, is important. And also focusing on collaboration, you know, partnerships. It ties in with this, you know, this notion of the, the third wave. And I love the African proverb that says, you want to go quickly, you can go alone. But if you want to go far, you must go together. How do you go far by building partnerships and alliances with others to take your idea and scale it faster than you realistically could on your own? Absolutely. Teamwork makes the dream work. Our chapter five in my book, An Attitude of Excellence, is teamwork makes the dream work. You've got to think like a team, work like a team if you want to win like a team. And that's one of the things that both of you have been able to uh, do. And, and now working with the rise of the rest, how did y'all, how did you come up with this concept that we're going to, what made you do it, Steve? And then David, uh, how did you uh, um, work the, the, the details to make it work that we could you could come up together with something that could have an impact on entrepreneurs, startups, and uh, and and businesses that usually don't give it a shot. What made you come up with it, and how do you get folks like Sheila Johnson and uh, uh, Tory Burch and Jeff Bezos? How did y'all do that? Y'all got the the who's who. Well, the original idea kind of percolated for us. I was asked by President Obama almost 10 years ago to chair an initiative that they wanted to launch at the White House called Startup America to really champion entrepreneurship all across the country. So I, I did that for a number of years. And, and uh, the idea of hitting the road with a, a bus to, to meet entrepreneurs in different cities and see what we could do to catalyze stronger startup ecosystems in, in cities you know, started about six years ago. And then as part of that, we started doing pitch competitions in each city. And I personally would invest in the winner of each of them. And then about three years ago, we said, let's scale this up uh, and let's bring in some other partners. It goes back to the idea of, of the, that African proverb I mentioned. How do we go further you know, together? And that's where we reached out to about 40 of the most prominent you know, entrepreneurs and, and investors in the, in the country and said, please join us on this. We want to create a fund, a Rise of the Rest Seed Fund, to back more entrepreneurs and more more places with a you know a kind of a bias around you know diversity right now about 45 percent of the companies we back are either black founders brown founders or female founders so it's not what it should be but it's a lot better than the traditional kind of venture capital statistics and as David said we only invest in entrepreneurs outside of the big places where most of the venture capital is like uh, like Silicon Valley. Wow, David, do you have anything on that? Uh, how, how you pulled this all together and are running this? Yeah, well, we you know we we have we have a typical approach like like any other venture capitalist in, in how we you know we how we investigate these companies how we you know ask all the tough questions before we before we do the deals we just have a broader aperture and we're happy to look in places and at faces that look different than the typical Silicon Valley founders and that I think has made a huge difference in both the composition of our portfolio and I think ultimately will make a big difference in the success of our of our, of our investments and I'm. You know, I think it's a credit to Steve and his leadership to, that, that we've been able to, to be as successful, frankly, doing something different than what, what the conventional wisdom in our industry says. But, but as we all know, those that are sort of like, you know, outsized rewards go to those who think a little bit different and act a little bit different. And so where I'm, I'm proud to be part of a team that's, that's, you know, doing all of the hard work that's similar, but, but thinking a lot different about the input that, that I think will ultimately create a really interesting and really, uh, game-changing output for both our companies, our founders, the markets, the cities that they come from, the markets that they serve, and hopefully the, the American economy. And, you know, we're really that ambitious about what we're doing, but, we, you know, we, we take it one city at a time, one, one bus tour at a time, 
and, and try to not bite off too much more than we can chew. But we, we were very intentional about how we, how we start to build and how we built Rise of the Rest and how we continue to grow both the platform and the fund. Well, I know everybody who's listening. We got a lot of entrepreneurs listening. They they, they got their pen and pencil. Well, how how do I get in touch with these folks? How do I learn more? Uh, where, where do they go? Is there a website? Is there a place where they can go and read and learn and and maybe uh, pitch something to you folks? Well, I think the first the first and most important way is is, is something, Doctor Willie, that we are launching and and will will have come later this year. Our Rise of the Rest Equity Edition tool, which is a tour that is explicitly focused on Black founders. One of the things, you know, we, we, we've talked a little bit about the, the tours that we've done in the past, which are these fantastic five-city, five-day uh, showcases where we go into cities and sort of celebrate entrepreneurship. We had one set up and planned for this year, and we were really excited to go. But then, uh, obviously, the, the pandemic has hit, and we had to sort of pull back from what we were going to do and postpone that physical in-person tour and then we started thinking about what, what could we do virtually that would, that would benefit our entrepreneurs, our ecosystem. And then, to be frank, George Floyd was murdered. Mm, right. And the conversations that, that started happening, you know, starting on Zoom calls, but, but they, they quickly went from, you know, from Zoom calls to dinner tables to boardrooms and, and conversations more broadly as, as business leaders and as a business community about equity and inclusion started happening. And, you know, we, we kind of came together as a team and said there are few people who understand how to pull together a, a convening of, of decision makers, of leaders, of investors, of entrepreneurs, and really try to push the envelope a little bit farther, try to push the, the conversation a little bit farther. And that sparked our Rise of the Rest virtual tour that we'll be having later this year, focused, we're calling it the Equity Edition, focused on, on, on black founders. We knew to do that, as Steve said, we wanted to go far with this, so we had to engage a partner, and our first partner was, was Rodney Sampson and OHUB, and we've been long fans and partners with OHUB and Rodney along the way on how do we produce this tour that is you know, sensitive to, to sort of all the complexities of navigating this, but also like, can elevate it and have it, have it be at a national stage. And basically what this tour is, is, is um, three parts. The, the first part is a $2 million, I said that right, $2 million pitch competition where the winner will receive a $1 million investment from OHUB, uh, Morgan Stanley's Multicultural Innovation Lab, and, of course, us, Rise of the Rest. And then the two runners-up will receive you know, similar prize, half-million-dollar prizes each. But also we're going to convene some conversations on, um, on, on things like how can cities make their ecosystems more inclusive to black and brown diverse founders who want to come and, you know, they want to start a business in Nashville. Where do they go? What do they do? Who do they talk to? How can the cities lean into that? And then the second conversation we wanted to talk about was talent. How can we really engage talent to go into technology jobs, both at the big companies like Google and Facebook, but also at some of the small companies, some of the startups, because we recognize that those pathways to talent lead to massive opportunities for wealth creation for those employees. And we thought that that best angle would, would be to house that with conversations around HBCUs and how those pathways to talent can be opened up. But, but the main event is, is the pitch competition where we've been able to find hundreds of, of black founders that we're, we're talking to right now and, and, and sort of vetting so that we can get the top founders on stage to present and, and compete for uh, a half a million dollar prize We've also wanted to bring on the, the virtual bus to bring as many people along. We've got over 100 venture capitalists 
from, from the Silicon Valley, from New York, and all points in between, who are going to be joining us to talk to these founders so that we can get those, these, these, these credible, amazing black founders into senior-level discussions with venture capitalists that, 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 that may not even make it to the stage to pitch us, but we'll have these partner-level meetings with the country's top venture capitalists. So we really are thinking about how we do this differently and how we really accelerate the, the, the opportunity for black founders to get funded and get in front of the top venture capitalists so they can start building their companies, just like a lot of the folks in, in Silicon Valley who, who were able to do this sort of without getting on a plane or, or, or on a Zoom call. Wow, this is so exciting. This is the kind of stuff that gets me going as an entrepreneur, as somebody who has been uh, encouraged to be an entrepreneur from childhood, to see the possibilities for new people to join us in this entrepreneurial venture or this entrepreneurial journey. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back. We got one more segment with these two dynamic gentlemen, and we know for sure your best is yet to come. Stay tuned. Friendship is not about being convenient, it's about being committed and consistent. You can call on me when you need me. up the phone you can call and call me, me. This is Dr. Willie Jolly, and people often ask, how did I go from a broke, busted nightclub singer to become a best-selling author and to be voted one of the outstanding five speakers in the world by the 175,000 members of Toastmasters International? The answer is that I decided to invest and change my thinking, invest in my mindset, and decided to change my inputs because inputs determine outputs. I heard about a seminar years ago when I was just getting started. I was making about $100 a speech, and I heard this seminar that was creating millionaires, and it cost $10,000, but the guy was getting results. I didn't have that kind of money, but I decided to borrow it because I learned that there's a price for success, the price of college, the price of going to school, the price of education. There's a price for success, and then there's a cost for not paying the price, the cost of staying the same. And that cost is greater than the price. It's too expensive. And so I went, and it changed my life. And I came back and quickly made $100,000. I heard a similar story from Dr. Dave Martin, how he went to a success rally, heard a speaker who inspired him. He and his friend said, wow, that's changed my life. The speaker had a package of materials to help build wealth. The package cost $1,500. And that was all the money Dr. Dave had to his name. Dr. Dave's friend asked, do you think this stuff is worth it? Dr. Dave thought for a moment. He said, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. But I do know that I'm worth it. I'm worth it. He invested that money in that package and used the materials to grow his thinking. He grew his mindset. 
He shared how that $1,500 investment has gone on to generate millions in revenues. He's a multimillionaire. And he has homes now in Arizona and Florida. I want to say to you, it's time to invest in you. I want to give you some materials that will help you grow you, grow your mindset, grow your future, grow your finances. Go to wjspeaks.com slash billionaire. wjspeaks.com slash billionaire to get some materials that will inspire your success and help you find that there's a price for success, but there's a cost for not paying the price. And the cost is always greater than the price. Go to wjspeaks.com slash billionaire and get the bag, the box, or any of the materials there and keep growing your wealth. And remember, as a man thinketh, so as he is, and your best is yet to come. This is Dr. Willie Jolly on the Willie Jolly Wealthy Way Show across America, coast to coast, border to border. And now we know globally because of the podcast, you can get this show anywhere. And I want to thank all of you who've been sharing it. We want you to like it, share it, tell Lottie Dottie and everybody about it because we want more people to do more, be more and achieve more. We want greater success stories all over the globe. And I'm grateful that we are able to share in that and help in that process. Well, I've got two incredible, incredible incredible gentleman with me today. I got Steve Case. He's the author. Of, well, the authorship is something that I mean, some people would know. They know him as the founder of AOL. He's now the CEO of Revolution. And uh, he also is the author, as I said, of the third wave. A great book. I want to encourage you. If you have not read it, go get a copy and read it. It gives his story, the ups, the downs, the challenges, how he got through the challenges. Steve, one of the things I loved was when Jim Kinsey took you to lunch one day and said, hey, I just took over CEO. The board approved it. You're back in the backseat again. And you had to make a decision then. Do I get up and walk out or do I, I hang in there? And because you hung in there and you kept pursuing excellence and you kept bringing new ideas, that in time, he said, I'm out. You got it, and you took it to the next level. I love that story in the book. And then we also got uh, David uh, Hall. He's the managing partner of Revolution's Rise of the Rest Seed Fund, and he is just a dynamite thinker, dynamite young man who is making great things happen. Gentlemen, I'm so grateful for both of you being here. So let's keep talking about this whole process of how you created this process, and now you've you've got companies that you're investing in all over the world, and you've, you're in Embarking on a new tour, obviously, is going to be virtual at this point. And then you've uh, invested in a number of black and brown founders through Revolution Rise of the Rest Portfolio. What are some of the businesses you've invested with and why? David, why don't you start? Yeah, I'll start. Um, well, well, there are a number of companies that we've invested in. About about 50% of our portfolio is, is black founders. And, again, we, we, we are happy and proud to sort of keep that lens pretty broad and wide so that we see opportunity where places in places where other investors don't. One such was a young man who was part of his graduate work at Syracuse University, was trying to figure out how can you have a, a, a path from, from – uh, from Syracuse down to New York City for electric vehicles to not have to stop and be charged. And what came out of that graduate work was a company called Spark Charge. The CEO is called Joshua Aviv, and he's built basically a portable car charger, uh, electric vehicle charger that's the size of a rollerboard suitcase. Mind you, the, the leading competitor is the size of two shopping carts stitched together. So he's made a better, smaller, faster charger 
And it's, it's been a game change for things that, that, you know, for anybody who's worried about, um, they call it range anxiety when you lie on electric. Oh, I got it. I got range running. anxiety. I know what you're talking about. I know what how I got to sit in this and, and, and calculate how far I can go on my electric car before I'm out and how far and what kind of trips I can take. So this thing is making me excited just hearing about it. <laughs> so Joshua, Joshua has built this business up and it's doing fantastic. He was recently featured on Shark Tanks. So we've got two new entrepreneurs and Mark Cuban and Lori Grenier. Your, your your boy Damon John didn't didn't step up. But, what's um, what? Damon, we're, Damon, I've had we were on tour together. I gotta say, Damon, you gotta look for these kind of deals here. <laughs> exactly, we're 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 thrilled that, that at Spark Charges Progress and how smart and, and strategic Josh is an entrepreneur. We we also recently invested in the company, and this one I'm thrilled by. It's it's a Washington D.C. based company called Cherry Blossom Intimate. Basically, Doctor Willie, you know. Breast cancer is just a scorn on our society, and, and so many women go through this process where the ability to find well-fitting prosthetics for those women who've had to have mastectomies is just challenging. And, and the founder, Jasmine Jones, a woman who has had you know, some personal experiences in her family where she's had to manage through this process, you know, for women who are getting sort of fitted for, for, for prosthetics, they have to do it in a medical supply store next to wheelchairs and a, you know, the linoleum floor. She's created a studio. It's, it's like, a, like a living room where women can bring their girlfriends or their relatives in and, and have these fittings done in a comfortable, supportive, safe environment that, that really celebrates the, the, the survivorship that they're going through as they, they work through their breast cancer diagnosis. And we're, we're, it's one of our new companies. We just announced that this, this investment. We're so excited about sort of the business that she's building. And it's a healthcare company. Getting wow. I think I saw something about company. that on television. Did I not? You, you, we, you definitely did. And, yeah. you know, this, this young entrepreneur is really sort of changing the game with how she's approaching this evolution of, of, of treating women who are at their, among their lowest times, giving them a lot more dignity and a lot more sort of hope in, in, in confronting and surviving their, 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 their diagnosis. Wow, that's awesome. I'm going to ask you. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Female founders, black, black female founders. One is a company called Mommy, led by an entrepreneur, Melissa Hanna. Uh, they've closed around and included Serena Williams and, and Mark Cuban, as well as Rise the Rest. And she's basically creating a platform for moms to basically manage and coordinate the prenatal and postpartum you know, care. Another one also in the healthcare space, Care Academy, just actually raised nearly $10 million. And, and, and uh, Helen, the, the founder, was named as one of Vanity Fair's 26 top female black founders. Uh, and they provide online training for, for caregivers. So these are important issues. Obviously, healthcare is arguably the most important aspect think, of our lives. It's the healthcare is the largest industry in the country. It needs innovation. We're seeing entrepreneurs all over the country and from different backgrounds and who look differently, including these, these black founders who are doing great things to really revolutionize healthcare. Absolutely. We've been having a number of entrepreneurs in the healthcare field and new ideas. Uh, I ask a question of every uh, any of you, and I ask them this, almost the same question every week. Uh, whether it's a David Stewart or whether it's a Damon John or whether it's a, a, a Bob Johnson or whoever. You go to, let's say we're going down to Howard University, we're going to a business class. We got some young students there, some entrepreneurs. And I always want to know two or three, you got us. Here, you, you got to do this if you want to be a business uh, person, entrepreneur. You got us. So I'll start with uh, Steve and then David, you got us. Just a couple, you got us. I think you got to think of yourself as a startup. Think of yourself as, as a, you know, something that's still being formed. And, and what, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to, what, what dreams do you have? What, what, you know, mountains do you want to climb? And, and, 
just constantly be rethinking what you should be doing next to, to get there. It took me, you know, really a decade before I was able to enter the, you know, the co-founder of a company kind of realm. There's a bunch of other stops on the way, but I always kept my eyes on the prize. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And the second I would say is to kind of what they say in hockey, you, 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 have, you know, go where the puck is going, not where the puck is. Yes. And, and have some sense of how the market you care about or, or some aspect of, of our everyday life, how it's going to change and figure out a way to usher in that change and, and get there before, before other people do. So some mix of just believing in yourself and, and, and trying to figure out how to continue to build your, your own you know, person at, at the same way you might think about building a, a startup and then focus not just on what exists today, but focus on, on what's coming next. Oh, I love that. I love that. David? I would say, I would say to the class, Dr. Willie, that first, you got to play chess, not checkers with your career. Mm. you got to think two moves ahead. you you got to think about what, what are the impacts of all the different things, all the different people that you know. How can you leverage those relationships, those opportunities, those leverages, those relationships to create opportunities and think about all the different skill sets. You play a rook differently than you play a knight, differently than you play a bishop. Think about how you can leverage your talents and play them differently to, to really accelerate it into your career. The second thing I would say, and I would say this particularly to all of the black students in the class, you know, we have got to abandon the imposter syndrome. We are just as qualified, we are just as talented, and we are just as deserving to be in the seats in, in, in the colleges, in the, the, the business arena, in the entry-level jobs, in the boardroom. And I think that, you know, if you've got something to say, your lived experience, your qualifications, the work that, that you, that we've put in, is valid and deserves to be spoken. And so I think that we, I've seen a lot of, of, of executives, you know, just afraid to speak, afraid yes. of what it's going to mean if they bring their true, authentic selves to the job. Yes. We, you know, as investors, we look for those, those founders who can bring their authentic selves as, as business leaders, you, you got to you can't wear the mask all the time. You got to take it off to breathe. You got to bring your authentic self to work every day. Wow, I love that. Now you know what you you had no idea. That's one of the kind of messages that I've shared over the years. I had the honor of uh, replacing Zig Ziglar on the Get Motivated tour when he passed. For many years, it was Zig and General Colin Powell and Les Brown. And when Zig passed, they called me and asked me to invite uh, the, replace him. They invited me to replace him. And I would tell these audiences around the country that particularly African Americans that you cannot think the victim mindset. You got to think the victor. You got to think, I, I built this from nothing, uh, my business, the media, the everything, because I believe that I was, I was capable and that my color, as Bob Johnson once said, that you win with whatever uh, uniform you got on. You know, Magic Johnson won in high school, he won in college, he won in the pros because he put on a uniform and decided to win. And the color of the uniform did not make a difference. And that's how we have to think. I love these concepts. Well, gentlemen, the good interviews always come quickly to an end i just am so uh any uh ways people can reach you anything you want to share with people as we close out in this last minute you can get more information from our website revolution.com and also we have a twitter uh, and instagram for rise of the rest uh, as well as for revolution so all information is, is there if you just search on uh, rise of the rest fund you can get all the information we'd love to figure out ways to you know partner with more entrepreneurs and more places doing more interesting things that can improve the country create jobs and make the world a better place you know Oh, you know, I'm in your corner. You know, you got a friend in Dr. Willie Jolly, and I'm going to promote it, talk about it uh, on all my media platforms and tell people, look, 
folks. These gentlemen are committed. Uh, we just had Dave Stewart on, uh, who is the founder of Worldwide Technology, same kind of spirit that he wants to help. So we, we just want to help people to grow. I want to thank you both. I want to thank Jade Floyd for making this happen. I've known her since she was a young lady and her mama, Joe Floyd. And I love that young lady. Y'all got a winner on your team. And I want to thank everybody who's listening, wherever you may be. Follow me at all my social media and then join us Monday night. Happily to Married Monday with the Jollies. Uh, you want Monday through Friday on Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell, 820 Eastern, 720 Central. And then if you go to winwithwilly.com, you can sign up for my free newsletter and my free video. I'll send you one every day just to encourage you. And last but not least, Jolly Good News report Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. on the Jolly Good News Facebook. And I want y'all to know for sure your best is yet to come. This is Dr. Willie Jolly. Stay strong. enjoyed this podcast episode and I hope you got something of great value and I hope that you were inspired, you were motivated, you were empowered and you were encouraged to live your best life. I hope this information and this inspiration will help you to do more, be more and to achieve more. That's the goal why I started this program and I hope it helped you in a mighty way. Now, I ask you to make sure and that you take full advantage of all the resources that came through this program. I hope you go to wjspeaks.com slash gift and get some of the free resources that we have there for you. I hope you go to wjspeaks.com slash shop to get some of the books that we have created, that we've labored over to make sure that they will deliver a powerful message to you. I hope you go to willyjolly.com slash billionaire, willyjolly.com slash billionaire, or wjspeaks.com slash billionaire to get the box that it will inspire your whole family or get the bag of books. Make this a great day, a great week, a great month. And remember, it is true that you are blessed and all things are possible for them that believe. So make the most of the belief that you have now in your future. This is Dr. Willie Jolly. Have a great day.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.